Namahi Tefano and Happy New Year for 2021. Here is hoping that all of you that are tuning in right now have started off the fresh set of 365 days on the right foot. And as per, I just like to say a quick thank you uh, for tuning in to another episode of In the Sheds on Code with Kingy, where I am joined by an ex schoolmate and current prop, the Hawks Bay Magpies, and Joel Hintz. As always, we start off the show with how he started playing rugby before then delving into where the game took him when he left school. And then we rounded off with where he currently stands and some of the teams he's played for in recent memory. I'd also like to encourage you guys that if you do enjoy this episode, please go back and look at some of the older recordings I've done with players and personnel around the game. And if from there you enjoy some of the older episodes that I have done, then go and hit that follow button and then go and follow me on both Facebook and Instagram where you'll find me under code with Kingy. But for now, please enjoy this corridor that I recorded with Joel. All right, so kia ora Joel and thank you very much for jumping on the podcast or code with Kingy to share a little bit about yourself and the journey that you've had, man. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you taking out some time and what's been a, a pretty hectic year and yeah, thankfully we've all come out of it, or for the most part, all of us have come out of it on the right end. So, yeah, man, appreciate you. Nah, sweet as, bro. It's good. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, definitely, bro. I can't even remember the last time we yarned, bro. Probably would have been maybe towards the back end of school, if that, bro. It's funny what happens, eh, when you know, we, you're spending pretty much every single day together in class, you know, an old core name, yeah. or I think what was it, Miss Duffy's English class, and then yeah. they're off doing different yeah. things, and I'm down in my own lane, so. Yeah, everyone's on their own paths, you know, it's, um, you know, it's kind of dumb that we don't get to see each other, you know, all the boys, but um, it's cool that we're all down our own paths and doing our own things, so that's no, pretty cool. Yeah, and it looks like for the most part, we've all sort of found our way. Some, some of us took a little bit longer than others, but hey, that's just... Um, that's life, bro. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, just in the meantime, bro, I know we just chatted a bit off here, but you've, you've just finished up with footy. But I mean, what else has been going on in your life, bro? I mean, we, you know, we talked about 2020 and how much of a change that's been. But, you know, like, what's your summer looking like? And, you know, like, are you glad that footy's over? Like, was it? Because, I mean, you're, you're pushing into December, mate, or back into November, which is unlike anything that, you know, a guy like you's been used to. Yeah, like um, I really enjoy the the, the, the footy season. Um, club season's awesome. Um, I love the culture at my club um, here in Central Hawks Bay. You know, everyone stays around for a beer afterwards, and the, the, the club rooms always packed, and it's an awesome family vibe. And then going into uh, Mighty Ten Cup, um, you're basically just living the dream. You you're paid to uh, train. You're in the gym, you're outside training with your mates. It's getting better at code, and I like genuinely. This year, I like, really, really enjoyed it. I didn't get as much game time as I would have liked, but I think I just had like a like a good team around me. Um, my days off, I was out with um, a few of the other players, like um, Ash Dixon and Keanu Kennedy Symes, and we're always just off either hunting, diving, just you know, out in the outdoors and really just making the most of our time off. And yeah, that no, was wicked. Um, Obviously, over that lockdown period, we're a bit iffy as to whether we're even going to play Mighty 10 or not. So um, I think that added to it, you know, being able to have crowds as well. It was just such an, uh, like a treat to be able to actually get out on the field this year because 
for a while there, we weren't sure whether it was going to happen. Yeah, totally. But I mean, I remember when, like, so here in Wellington, when we were getting like, ready for our club season, it was literally the week we went into lockdown was the week we were, when we were meant to have our first game. And so, yeah. you know, like we'd sort of been doing all pre-season, obviously not as hundies as, you know, the likes that you do and the Superboys were doing. But, you know, I was gutted that I was potentially not going to be able to play rugby, you know, for the first time since I was like four years old. You know, yeah. you take a big, big break from your mates and you're sort of just in your own bubble. I was with my own family and, yeah, I was just like, man, are we going to get a footy season going? And even like, you know, at level two, you know, the professionals were doing their thing, but obviously that's like a job or an occupation. But as far yeah. as club folk, you know, I was like, Am I going to get to play? I'd sort of got itchy feet. I've been doing a bit of training over the lockdown sort of to keep myself busy and get myself out of the house. But yeah, like you, I think it was really just for me, Just I was quite thankful to even play rugby. And I guess I probably enjoyed it a bit more and cherished it because I think that we saw with what COVID or, you know, what an outbreak can do is that, you know, the stuff that you love can just be taken away from you just like that. Um, yeah, I think I was the same. Like I've been playing footy for 20 odd years and, to be honest, I was, oh, I'm not getting sick of it, but, you know, you're taking it for granted and sometimes it can become a bit of a chore. But, like, having that lockdown and thinking, man, actually, I might not be able to go and play code with my mates. I think it made us, or made me anyway, um, just, like, be that much grateful, uh, more grateful when I did come back. Yeah. Totally, bro. Yeah. I mean, you it's know. It's a wake-up call. Yeah. <laughs> bro, more ways than one. But, um, yeah, I mean, you just mentioned the fact that you've been playing for, what is it, 20-odd years now? I've been playing since I was four years old, bro. So why don't you take us back to a young Joel Hinson? So, like, where'd you grow up and how did you start playing footy? So I grew up in Masterton. Yeah, just um, started playing at my local club, uh, Masterton Red Star. The old boy dragged me along, but I was really too busy running the wrong way. So um, I remember those frosty mornings and, yeah, not even knowing what the hell I was doing. So the old, the old boy actually pulled me out for a couple of years and just let me grow up a little bit. And we ended up moving to Hastings. Um, Dad got a job up there. And so we moved up to Hastings for a couple of years. And I really didn't want to play rugby. I wanted to play um, soccer like all my mates. But the old boy was having none of that. and dragged me down to the local um, Flaxmere Club, Western Suburbs. I chucked on the boots for the first time and... Ran out there and really, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, got my first taste of proper footy, you know, as like a seven-year-old. And when I could actually, you know, grasp the understanding of how the game goes. And, yeah, from there, I pretty much um, uh, moved back to Masterton. Um, went back to Masterton Red Star and just played my, uh, my rugby through there up until um, college when I moved to... Um, what up a college and um, yeah playing prop pretty much the whole way throughout a little bit of number eight when I got older but then um, everyone took over in height again and I stayed podgy so throwing back into hooker and then when I, I was yeah I was a uh, fourth form what up a college wasn't really doing that well um, in terms of footy they're going really really well now but um, when I was there it wasn't so so good so I was kind of looking at options and where I could move um, to progress my career I was looking at um, a school two tour in uh, Manawatu um, as well as Palmy Boys and uh, St. Pitt's Silverstream and in the end I think the the pros just outweighed the cons for Silverstream and yeah ended up 
catching the train over every Sunday and yeah, just hitting the ground running extreme where I met you. So yeah, the rest is history, I suppose. Yeah, it was a bit of a legendary move. Eh? I, I remember the first time I met you, it was in a PE class and, you know, it was sort of like, you know, the classic, you know, you, you're testing out the new fella, you're probably a little bit shy, didn't want to like sort of stick your head out too far. And I think we were <laughs> playing a game of rugby and it was sort of like a, you know, two hand touch thing. And you just went like balls to the wall. And I think, I can't remember, I think I might have been like Sam Dewey, you bowled over and like we all <laughs> lost it, bro. We like, bro, this guy's loose as. And then, you know, obviously you kick on and you play in the first 15 or you bounce between the first and the seconds. And <laughs> yeah, 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 just yeah. Like, I bought a bit of Master Nova over with me. Bought a bit of Master Nova. Yeah, <laughs> just like, balls to the wall. <laughs> yeah. But interesting though, I mean, the fact that you mentioned Tutor and Palmy Boys. I mean, yeah. if you don't mind me, you know, prying a little bit deeper, like, was it because Silverstream was a little bit closer to home? Like, because I know that, you know, as you'd know now, there's a big rivalry between us and Palmy Boys with the traditionals and maybe not so yeah. much to tour, um, even though they were a mildly excellent school. So, you know, between those three, why was Silverstream ending up being your top priority or your top choice? Um, I think, yeah, there was a, a few reasons. Stream seemed to have a really good hostel, and so or so did so did um Palmy Boys, but it just seemed so easy with like the train literally outside, like a k up the road from my house in Masterton, and it's stopping outside the school in Stream. Like it wouldn't because when I first went there, I wasn't going to be able to have my license. I think that was like a massive part of it, to be honest. But also like just um like meeting um, teachers and stuff at stream. They just seem like, like good buggers and it just seemed like a school that I'll do well at. I met a few of the boys that are cool. Yeah, like I, I'd say Palmy boys would have been, you know, just as good, but stream just seemed to tick the boxes at the time and, yeah, I just never looked back. Yeah, well, Silver Stream was certainly thankful that you chose to don the blue and white hoops. And so, you, I mean, you had a pretty illustrious career, Um I mean, I, I saw in a, you know, when I did my homework before um, jumping on this, I saw that Adam Julian wrote a story about how he finished on like 49 games for the first 15, which is pretty <laughs> surreal. I mean, like, like playing, you know, 30 plus games, I mean, I guess that was just a testament to your durability and the fact that you never got injured um, and, you know, you were a top dog and you're always up for selection. But I mean, what did you enjoy the most about Silverstream and were there any highlights from your rugby career and then? Even academically, I know, I know you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the boys that you met and, you know, the likes of Silesia Vernon that you're very close with now. So, I mean, like, did, like, looking back at it now, was it like, you know, almost like a life-changing decision going to stream? Yeah, well, I, th I think it definitely steered me in um, the right direction, um, particularly um, academically. Like, when I was at Wairapa College, um, I absolutely loved it. It was, a, it was an awesome school. I've got, you know, lifetime friends there, but just um, being at home and not quite pushing myself as far academically as I probably as I probably could have. Um, when I went to stream, um, I knew that there was a lot of people behind me um, supporting me to, to make the move. So I really felt like I had to get my A into G and, you know, put pen to paper. And um, it was awesome being at the hostel and having that prep time and support around me, which really helped me push. And also um, sporting-wise, like being in the hostel, having the gym available right there to use, um, especially for my powerlifting, um, and those those pre those early morning trainings, um, like pre season and um, for the fitness and stuff, you know, like all that stuff was just priceless for like a young dude. 
So yeah, it's just like um, yeah, it was massive. Mm, mm, yeah, definitely, bro. I just wish I'd paid more paid more attention to the gym like you did, and maybe I wouldn't be so scrawny um, <laughs> as I am these days. But you, you mentioned your powerlifting, bro. And I remember in our last year of school, you, you went on a trip to South Africa. Yeah. So maybe I don't know for the people who maybe aren't familiar with your your weights background or your powerlifting background, give them a, a quick rundown of why you are, I guess, the the rugby player that you are now, and like how that powerlifting sort of worked in with it. Yeah. So um, when I was uh, I was about twelve, I was um, I was boxing. I do my boxing just to help with my rugby fitness. But I love my boxing. It was really good fun and um so to, uh, to help with that i was trying to do press-ups and sit-ups and everything in between try to get better at that and i was training really hard and doing my press-ups every single night as like a 12 year old and then when i went to boxing one day i saw the bench press i was like oh i'll have a go at this and bench um, 80 kilos and the trainer was like what the hell and he ended up telling my old man my old man's like I reckon, you know, he's all shit. So <laughs> he came down and watched me do it, and he's like, oh, it's pretty strong. Um, I'll, how about we'll, we'll sign you up to the gym in, in a couple of months, eh? We'll, we'll go train together. And so me and the old man went down to the gym and started getting to the weights, and um, a couple of local powerlifters saw us training together, so they um, invited us to come train with them. Um, the legend, um, legendary powerlifter Spike Wilton, and um, Tony Oliver took us under their wing, and yes, yeah, so uh, powerlifting is a combination of um, the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. And yeah, I just I don't know I just seemed to be built perfectly for the sport. I excelled pretty quickly, um, won national titles. Like I was winning winning like the under eighteen titles when I was like fourteen, fifteen, <laughs> and then yeah, breaking heaps of records. But like there wasn't that there wasn't like heaps of um, people or heaps of like young boys doing it at that time. I think it's become a lot more popular now. But I don't have a lot of competition um, domestically, so um, we look to try and um, compete in the Oceanias, the Commonwealth competition. Um, so I started hitting those competitions. Luckily, like at that time in my life, they were based in New Zealand. Like they do they do a loop around all the countries but when I was like 17 luckily it was in New Zealand so I got to got to have a crack up in Auckland and I broke the Oceania and the Commonwealth records and then I actually broke a world record at that combo I didn't know and um in those competitions you have to you have to tell them so that they can register it because it won't come up automatically at that time like it was all just done by paper and it wasn't until I um, went to the world champs in South Africa um in my last year of high school and um, yeah, I was like, I looked at the records and I was like, oh man, I've already got this. <laughs> so I went over there and went over there with my old man and um, another guy, he's a, like an absolute legend in powerlifting. If anyone knows about powerlifting, um, I know his name, Brett Gibbs. He's mm-hmm. pretty sure he's like within the top 10 pound for pound strongest lifters in the world. He's from Mustin as well. So I, I grew up training with him. A little bit and um, we went over to the worlds and i ended up getting a world record squat at 260 and 160 bench a 250 deadlift and that was a world record total of um 670 or something like that so that was pretty cool i was stoked with that won my weight class which was 
under one uh, under 120 kilos body weight um, under 18 year old class. I beat this Russian dude and this South African, so I was stoked. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, the same day, Brett Gibbs, my mate from Masterton, he also um, won his class, but he also due to like the weight power to weight ratio calculation called that the Wilkes um, formula he actually won like the entire junior competition overall so under 24 year olds in the whole world he was the strongest so yeah it was a big old night after that we're bloody stoked it was wicked <laughs> bro what do they feed you guys over a master mate I, I need to head over that way right now Chuck something, cause... Diet, bro. <laughs> bro, 80 kegs at, at 12 years old, mate. I'm struggling to preset nowadays. <laughs> what, what on earth? Um, it, help, yeah. it helps that I'm five foot tall. So. Same, bro. bro I, <laughs> I, I haven't grown at all since high school either. So, mate, I need yeah. whatever you're consuming or used to consume. But, um, so, yeah, obviously, the that sort of weight training was always going to put you in good stead for footy. And, you know, like I, like I mentioned, you, you fall short just to 50 games at Silver Stream. Um, yeah. But you kick on and you head down to Christchurch and you head down to Lincoln. Now, having talked to some of the boys like Vern and Salisi, and, you know, that I know that they went down to Christchurch with you. Like, were you in the same boat? Just like, did you just get like this random letter one day saying that Lincoln was offering scholarships? Or were you a bit more onto it than those boys and actually went out and looked at, you know, what you could be pursuing outside of school? So I actually got that letter that the boys got, like, oh, this is Lincoln University. We're interested in having you down. We'd, we'd, um, yeah, like, would love you to apply for the, for the um, sports scholarship. Basically, telling me that they wanted me, so I applied for it. Um, basically, put all my, well, I applied for another scholarship at Messi, got that through powerlifting, but then I put all my eggs in the Lincoln basket and was like, oh, sweet, I'll go there. It's for rugby. I've kind of done the powerlifting thing. I'll bank that. I want to have a crack at this rugby thing. At least you can actually get paid doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put all my eggs in one basket for Lincoln, basically paid for the deposit for the for the halls and stuff, thinking I was going to get the scholarship like Celestia and Vern, two of my best mates. And then I ended up not getting it. Yeah, they didn't give me the sports scholarship and I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God. But by chance, I'd been, um, apl- I applied for basically every single scholarship I could get. And I got another scholarship for, it's called like Global Challenges. It was like a sustainable farming one. So that paid the same as the sports scholarship. So I went down there and I just like, was just like, I've got a point to prove here. I'm going to go down and just give it everything and then within a couple of months they're like yeah sorry we didn't put you on the sports scholarship apply for, <laughs> apply for it next year we'll take you on <laughs> oh bro what a story so i mean like long story short you end up in christchurch you're with your mates um and you have a, a pretty surreal year in 2015 um, you were a part of the under 19s team that took out the, the jock hobbs memorial tournament and I, I remember watching that game um when you guys played against waikato and having sort of like watched it sort of, you know, throughout, I guess, the round robin course, and it was always going to be you two in the final. Um, and then, but when Waikato sort of shot out to that lead, or you gave them sort of that early advantage, I was like, oh, shit. Because to me, it was like, you guys, Canterbury, were like the structured team, and then Waikato were like the flary team. Not to say that yeah. Waikato didn't have any structure, but, you know, they, I, I think that they were maybe a little more careless with the ball. And obviously, it worked to great effect early on, but... I mean, take us back to that game because what were you down like twenty-one three? 
Yeah, it was something like that. Honestly, it was um, yeah. I can't remember the game that well, but all I remember is like being down at halftime, and like we were just in the sheds, and we we're a little bit shell shocked to be honest. And I, all I remember is uh, Mark Brown, our coach, um, saying like, "Who has been in the team that's been down more than this at halftime, and you've crawled, you know, crawled back?" And I think everyone was just like, "Yeah, you're right." Like. You know, we're down 20 points, but, man, crazy things have happened. So we all just went out there, stuck to our structure, and slowly but surely, you know, started scoring tries. And some of them were, you know, boring um, pick and goes and stuff like that. But other ones were razzle off the, off the back of structure. But, yeah, it was honestly, it was a bloody cool competition to win. Like, that was massive. It was awesome. And to play along guys like Geordie Barrett and Brett Cameron, like, yeah, those are memories forever. Yeah, a couple of All Blacks. And I mean, for me, like having watched that game, it was just so typical of Canterbury. And now for someone like you who's from outside of the region, you know, from Marston and then, you know, I guess the Hutt Valley to a certain extent, and then you go down to the South Island, is that something that's just ingrained, you know, once you get down there and you're a part of sort of, I guess, like the club system and the, and the rep system? Like, like what what is it in the water in Canterbury that, gets the most out of you guys that go down there and you guys just have this resilience because it, it, it's, it's across the board it's the rep teams it's the Midas and Cup team and then I mean, you just look at the success that the Crusaders have had well I suppose like like um, it seemed almost like when you're down there rugby's just you know the rugby is just the be all and end all it's the that's the mecca and for dudes like the Canterbury guys the Midas 10 guys you know that we put them up on such high pedestals and we just want to be them and you know and the coaches around um you know they're just no bullshit coaches they tell you what you need to do um and everyone's just competing for spots and you know that it's just i don't know there's just something about rugby's just the main thing down there and it's what everyone wants to be everyone wants to do so everyone's just chasing excellence and you know you're always just pushing each other yeah like when i was down there like canterbury was like that was who I wanted to play for. That was home at that time. Um, I loved living down there, you know, being at Lincoln, student life, you know, being on the sports scholarship and just training during the day. Like, it was just, it was the best thing for, like, a, a young fella like me. It was so cool just to be, you know, um, academised like that. It was wicked. Mm-hmm. Now, I know, I mean, we'll get to, the, you know, the the future of your rugby career. I mean, I mean, you, you made a pit stop in Wellington and now you're in the Hawks Bay. But, I mean, I mean, I, I do like because the guys I've, I've had on, I, you know, I just love to pick their brains about Canary because there's just obviously just something in that system. So, I mean, not to take anything away from the other two places that I just mentioned, but is there something special about the Canary setup? Is just because it's, it's it's being like that for such a, an extended period of time? Like, is do they just have better talent scouts in terms, you know, attracting guys like yourself? And even though initially you maybe didn't get the rugby scholarship and I mean, like, I mean, we've seen with guys like Salisi, you know, like maybe that's not so much his kid profession, and he's even burned to a certain extent. But they bring in these guys, almost, you know, battlers, you know, quote unquote, and yeah, they just they turn them into superstars. And like, for, for, you know, just from me, from a neutral perspective, you know, I, I look at some of the work that you know the likes of Wellington, Auckland, and even Otago do with their scouting, and you know, they don't have as great a track track record as Canterbury does, so. I mean, is, is, is there anything you can pinpoint? I mean, like, I don't want you to, you know, like... Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's, fu- or... it's, it's funny you say that because, like, man, I'm just the absolute 
um, yeah, pitch boy for a battler. Like, no one really wanted me. Wellington weren't interested. I'd gone through all their age grade stuff and no one said anything to me about, you know, the academy or anything like that. The only reason I wanted to stay in Wellington was actually Ben Franks, All Blacks prop. He was into powerlifting. He trained at one of the gyms I competed at. He asked me to be his training partner. So I was like, whoa, that'd be mean. Maybe I'll hang around for that. But then, yeah, um, Taranaki kind of were talking about getting me in, but then they're manager their academy manager left but yeah it's just crazy that how they yeah they, they they can just pick up dudes that no one knows about and just i don't know just work with potential and push you i don't know it's i've i've, I've asked myself that question before like what, what is it but i suppose it's just it probably helps that they've got two universities and it's a pretty cool um life down there it's cheap to live down there but um, in terms of the rugby, I think the club competition, you know, that's um, second to none, the club competition down there. Like when we were, when I was playing at Lincoln, yeah, like there was some awesome teams that we were playing against, but man, our Lincoln team was, it was fucking fire, eh? Like playing with club rugby with like two of the Barrett brothers, Tom Sanders, Jack Goodhue, Jack Stratton at halfback, Brett Cameron at um, first five, Eddie Hinati on the bench. Like, we, it could have been like a Mighty Ten Cup team, honestly. It's just like, and then other teams are the same. All the all the Crusaders are just filtering down, and yeah, I don't know that they've got the ball rolling, and I suppose they just, you know, no one got off the wave. But obviously, this year was a little bit tricky. But I suppose everyone has hiccups. But yeah, now for the most part, they've got something pretty special going on down there. Yeah, I can't say that I'm. I felt sorry for Canterbury because I think that was just you know, what goes well, not what goes around comes around. But you know, it was just like yeah, every dog has a yeah. day. Yeah, exactly, mate. But yeah, like you said, I guess iron just sharpens iron. And I guess if you've got a whole lot of guys who maybe don't have the most talent, but you know, have similar work ethics that are through the roof, you know, like only good things can come from that. Right? Well, I think yeah, I think that's that's right. Like you can have all the potential in the world and. I, I didn't believe it at, at high school, like that genuinely you could just be a battler and work hard and stick it, stick with it. And, you know, one day the the log jam might, might free up and you get a spot. But yeah, like down there, they just teach you just work hard and stay in it and it'll happen. And you know, luckily for me, um, through injuries and stuff, it did. And I got a foot in the door. So. Totally, bro. So you you just mentioned that foot in the door. So you, I mean, you worked your way out from the 19s and you probably paid some mildly stuff, some Canterbury development, and you ended up playing in a couple of uh, Ramfley Shield challenges um, against, I think it's Whanganui in Mid Canterbury, if the internet is correct. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Yep. But you never quite got to make that step up um, to, I guess, playing on TV, you know, against your Auckland, your Wellington. Nah. So, and, and nah. I mean, was that just a, because there was just so many good players in your position in Canterbury at the time? Oh, well, whether, yeah. Well, there was some wicked props down there at the time. Um, you know, Saiti Tukalahi, um, Oliver Yeager, um, just to name a few. Like, it was pretty well log jammed. Not sure whether I would make it regardless, but, you know, I was in the development stuff and, yeah, obviously in those pre-season shield challenges. So um, I'd like to think if there was a couple of injuries, I'd get slotted in there. But there were some um, other awesome as players who were playing in the development. But um, it wasn't until 
I think it was probably those 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 Renfrew Shield challenges that maybe um, other provinces had a look at me again. Um, I'm not sure whether that's where um, Chris Gibbs from Wellington, um, you know, um, flagged me again. But yeah, but I think it did. Um, yeah, it did good thing, good things for me anyway. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. So just like you mentioned, yeah, you, you probably don't get as far as you want with the Canterbury system because that was home for you at the time. But yeah. Chris Gibbs, so does he get on the blower and he's just like, mate, I've seen you play, I need you up in Wellington. I mean, like, how did your ship back home or back to the capital start? Yeah, so he just gave me a call one day and was like, mate, um, yeah, we're, we're down on props. Um, how, would you, how would you like to come up and have a chat, look at the facilities and, um, you know, play a bit of club rugby and have a crack at making the Wellington. So I come up with the old man, had a look, um, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's a big move. You know, I'm pre- I was pretty well settled in, in Canterbury. I loved where I was living. I was living with my mates. Um, I had basically the best job ever. I was working for a mate, Chad Romano. We are just going pig hunting all the time. And, yeah, we were just like working out in Kaikota and knock off at 2 o'clock and go diving. And, yeah, it was wicked. But So I just, then I saw the old man. He's like, if you move up um, to Wellington, have a crack. Live at home in Masterton. Don't worry about paying rent. I'll pay for it. Just train. So I was just like, oh, yeah, why not? If, now, if not now, when? So I had a crack and went up and played um, the second half of club for OBU, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and then, yeah, got to go. Um, Jeff Tumang Allen was injured. Got the start for my debut. Got thrown in the deep end with 75 minutes out in the... One one day of blaring heat in Wellington and <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, somewhat hold my own in the scrum. So yeah, got a few more starts from there and played the full season. Yeah. Now this is a two part question. I mean, I'll, I'll get to the Lions part. Um, and but this is just me. Uh, you know, throwing this out there because I'm a club rugby battler up here in Wellington. So for a, for a talent like you who, you know, has obviously played a lot of rep footy, you know, had played for Canterbury. How on earth did you end up at OBU? Was that your choice? Or was that, did you get a bit of a shoulder tap and be like, hey, mate, we need to be playing here? If, if you can reveal it. Well, um, I think OBU at the time were the only team guaranteed to play Jubilee. Right. So Chris Gibbs was like, well, I really want you playing Jubilee. And um, old Boz Halford was also in the room, the scrum coach, and he's um, part of OBU. And he's just like, yeah, why don't you come to OBU? And I never, never even thought about who I'd play for in Wellington. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll play for OBU. Without knowing that they were a bloody mecca at the time, you know, the <laughs> top dog. And I was just, then when I came here, I was like, oh, man, but that's a bit stink. But no, nah, it, was, it was an awesome club to play for. And you know, I made some um, lifetime mates and, yeah, love it down at the bridge. Mate, you know, I mean, like, I, I only ask that because it's just a, like, a running joke here in Wellington, you know, some of the clubs oh, who, yeah, I, I mean, I don't need to lot, name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but again, like for someone like yourself, you know, you want to be playing um, at the back end of the competition. And, and like you said, you know, from a coaching perspective, or I guess from a coach who's having a look at you, he wants to see you pick against the best. And, yeah, that's uh, right. So, yeah, like, But for me, like, I'm... I'm a real underdog man. Um, like I love playing for battler clubs. You wouldn't think so. Um, coming from Lincoln and OBU, but um, yeah, I love playing for the underdogs. But yeah, 
being part of OBU and, and getting a Jubilee was, um, yeah, that's awesome as well. So I can't complain. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, and then going into your Wellington season, now you'd obviously been in, involved with a pretty professional setup down in Christchurch. But, I mean, how did, did Wellington differ in any way? And, I mean, and how did you find, I guess, being part of, like, that, that sort of full-time professional environment, you know, towards the back end of the year where you're literally just worrying about your footy, you know, your, your Monday review, you're cracking into your training and it's you get your Wednesdays off. I mean, like, was that, like, a pretty cool feeling for you? Like, did you, it was almost like, yeah, not necessarily you made it, but, you know, like, you're sort of, like, fully living the dream, even if it is only for, I guess, four months of the year? Yeah, so like when I moved to Wellington and I had a, you know, and I made it, it was like, well, you know, like um, all my goal my whole life was to become, well, you know, especially after we got the powerlifting thing out of the way and I just I felt like the, the next step was to become a contracted professional rugby player and then it happened. I was like, well, this is this is pretty cool. But like, um, you know, I loved being part of, part of the team and awesome coaching group and awesome bunch of boys, but um, I missed my mates in, in um, Christchurch because I was quite I was quite well settled in there and um, being like a, I suppose a bit of a um, a country hick, Wellington was a bit like um, it was pretty cityized for me after being being away from it. I was like, man, what the hell do I do in my spare time? <laughs> I was I was pretty bored to be honest. My days off because I'm not into playing Fortnite and stuff. <laughs> but um, so I was just driving back to Marston, which was like Turner two hours away trying to freaking fill in my time but the rugby in that was pretty cool and I enjoyed traveling with the boys and yeah that was cool but you didn't stick around long um obviously you, you make the shift um up the east coast to play in the Hawks Bay now again I mean was this another coach you know looking to give you an even greater opportunity potentially or you know what what spurred that move it was genuinely all by accident like I so when I was at Lincoln, um, I met my girlfriend um, on the last day of Lincoln. Um, still going out with her. Um, she she lives up here in Hawke's Bay, Central Hawke's Bay. And um, after line season, I had nothing on. I didn't have any work. I was like, man, do I move back to Christchurch? And she's like, oh, come up, have a summer with me, and we'll work out what we're going to do next. Because I wasn't contracted for the next year or anything. And, I'd, luckily, I'd had my de- I had my degree, but I genuinely didn't know what I was going to do. So I was come up for the summer, um, got a job building. Um, yeah, just was chipping away and playing touchdown at the local park. And one of the local clubs um, manager, Ian Large, saw me and he went and called the bloody uh, Magpies coach and was like, "Do you know Joel Hunts is down in Waipakaro playing touch?" And then, <laughs> like. <sighs> 10 minutes later after that call, I imagine Josh Sims was on the blah, like, oh, what are you doing up here? And I was like, oh, <laughs> just up here, just labouring, just filling in my summer. And he's like, well, would you like to hang around, play club rugby, and we'll chuck you on development contract, see how you go. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Because um, my missus, she's like, oh, I don't want to be back home just yet. Like, I think she wanted to go out and, do some stuff before she settled back at home. And then I was like, oh, I'll see how I go. And then must end up getting offered, um, you know, a better job. And so I was like, oh, yeah, why not? I have a crack. And, yeah, I've absolutely loved my time here in the Hawks Bay. Like, this is home now. Bought myself a nice little lifestyle block and, yeah, carried on with my building apprenticeship. 
even though I've done my degree, <laughs> just works in with um works in with uh rugby really well. Boss is a legend, just lets me take the four months of of the year. Um yeah, got some awesome mates, heaps of hunting, fishing, diving, heaps to do. So yeah, I just yeah, the bay's home now for me for sure. Beauty, bro. Sounds like you're living the dream. Um and now obviously like front of mind, you guys have just won promotion. Um, well, hopefully promotion, you know, given, you know, the unknown with the, yeah, the, well, Mitre, yeah. the Mitre 10 Cup level going into next year. Um, but your first year as part of the Magpies, we'll start with that. How did that all go? Yeah, so that was um, that was pretty cool. Um, ben May was still on his hunting holiday, didn't want to come back. So <laughs> I got I got the nod for the start against Manawatu and, um, you know, being able to prop Alongside another fellow pal of Tapodi Rakati Stones, like man, me and him just felt like we we're in sync and managed to get some pretty, pretty wicked scrums that game, which gave me a nod for a couple more starts. And yeah, I was getting a lot of game time that year, um, which was pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, um, fell short in the final. But yeah, just being in the bay and being seeing what all that's about. Um, they've got awesome resources up here. Like we've got a brand new gym with massive big um turf area and brand new fields and you know, like the facilities up here are world class and you know, um being led by Ash Dixon. Yeah, that that was that was pretty special, you know, he's a, the best leader I've ever been involved with. You know, being able to um just, he's just got a good balance between being one of the boys but you know you wouldn't want to. You don't want to fuck with them, <laughs> yeah. bro. If that guy was five years younger, like it, it, it would have been a joke for him not to be a part of the Olympics this year. Like for for oh, me, it's like, almost still is. Like he's just the wow. How can you play any better, bro? Totally, <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, there is um a, a thing called age, and yeah. well, I mean, like, and you, you'd know, bro, and like you see it with you know even some of the guys who around our age now, you know, still trying to kick it, you know. The, unless you're sort of in that environment or sort of there or thereabouts, you, you sort of miss the boat, unfortunately. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you, you mentioned falling short last year. And so how much of last year's pain from that final when you lost to, I guess, the other bay, you know, really drove this year's team? Or was this year's team different? Well, I think just, um, obviously, there's a little, uh, there was a bit of pain um, losing that final. But I think more it was like learnings and learnings around the mindset of how to win um, when when the um, when the pressure's on. Um, like our head coach, uh, Mark Oswald, she just puts hours and hours and hours into analysis and, um, you know, him, our whole coaching team, you know, um, Francisco, our scrum coach, Josh Sims. But honestly, from what I've been involved with, those guys put in the most work I've ever seen analysing stuff and breaking it down for us. So I think, you know, that that, that final um, taught us a lot of lessons and taught us how to dig deep when the, when the time mattered. And, yeah, like I think the Magpies are a pretty hard team to beat at home. I don't know the last time we lost at home, but we knew that if we just kept on top, yeah, just look out, bro. Totally, and we're playing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I mean, I mean, it all came out in the final, and even for that whole year. I mean, like, I'm gonna be honest. I, I don't watch a lot of Mitre Ten Cup footy. I mean, like, 
um, you know, with, with all the stuff that I've got going on in my own life, I mean, to sit down and, you know, like for me, whenever I pick something up, I want to do it properly. And so that would mean yeah. watching every single game. But from all the games that I did catch of your teams and even through the highlights, I mean, you guys just played a really, really nice brand of footy. I mean, like, you mean, yeah. you guys hit a very strong pack. I mean, like, I'd sung the praises earlier this year of a guy like Marina Makaili Tu'u. I mean, he was another one who, I mean, just sort of missed out on that North-South selection. I mean, the fact that you had a guy like Ash Dixon, who was arguably the player of the year, you know, like playing for you guys week in, week out. And then you got a young gun like um, Vakatava at halfback, who's another guy who's potentially knocking on the door for higher honours. I mean, like, I mean, this year, just like having so many guys, I mean, sort of click, I mean, as a whole and even stand out as individuals, was it like quite a, I mean, like, what was it feeling like going into each week? I mean, it must have just been like such a buzz turning up because, I mean, you guys like, it's one thing to win, but to win playing attractive footy. Or, and, and even, like, when you guys had to dig deep, I mean, you guys did. So, I mean, like, was this like the, I mean, does, how does it, how did this year compare to, you know, all your other years of, you know, playing for your costumes? Well, I think, like, um, when you're playing um, really good footy and you're watching it on TV, um, yeah, that's cool to watch. But when you actually break it down um, and the coaches show you all the um, little nitty-gritties, you can actually realise, man, you know, our shit does stink. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not the the gods that um, the newspapers are playing us out to be. So um, they kept us pretty well um, grounded. But like, like I said, like we're playing some pretty cool footy. Well, I think we had a really good balance um, of just you know workhorses like Jeff Cridge and and Parsons and. Um, Pody, and then we've got, you know, guys, like you said, like Falau and Stacey were just adding, you know, flair. I just think we had the balance right this year. And, you know, for guys to come in, um, like um, Lalangi, and just add to the team, you know, it was massive. And, um, yeah, to have the coaching staff that we had, analysing and, yeah, doing all the all the work for us, it was just, yeah, it, it helped as players you know, just to be able to get told where where to run, where they're weak, how to scrum against each player, and yeah, no, it just it just flowed well this year. Totally, I mean, yeah, like I said, it, the the proof is in the pudding. Um, and I know that what happens on a night out stays on the night out, but I mean, like, when did you guys finish up? I mean, your, your after match celebrations, and was there anything that you could possibly share? Um, with the viewers that, you know, you think would get a bit of a laugh? Yeah, so uh, Friday after the final was pretty big. Um, yeah, can't say I remember much, but I will <laughs> say that I I did wake up um, at someone in someone's uh, place. I didn't know who they were. Uh, not not a, not a, not a girl, not a girl. Let's keep it real. But I did I did wake up somewhere. I wasn't sure where I was, and the boys were calling me. So I was in someone's backyard. Um, I got a call from one of the boys, and they're like, "Where are you?" And I was just like, "I'm not sure." So they're like, "Well, we'll come pick you up." Are you a Napier? And I was just like, "Hang on, let me get out on the street, and I'll just tell you where I am." I looked out on the street and I was right across the road from where the boys were having the cordy. So I was like, oh, it's all good. I'm here. But yeah, and all the boys were dressed up. I was still in my number ones. I was like, oh, never mind. But yeah, so the boys um, yeah, went for a couple of days. But 
Um, we had to pull pin on it. Um, obviously, the boys had Maoris and um, Pacifica. So, yeah, um, boys didn't... Um, yeah, it's not like a historical bender, but that nah, was it was short and sharp and it was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I found like in my own experience, sometimes the best nights out are the ones that are the patchiest. But yeah, I, like, yeah. I, I guess like more so now, I tend to be on the side of like maybe it's better that I do remember like everything that I did, just so that. Oh, you know, for like... sure. I've I've, <laughs> I've I've never been never done anything like that. I don't know what happened, but. At least I was right outside where the boys were. I must have realised that, oh, well, if I just stay here, I'm going to be right outside tomorrow. So <laughs> at least I was thinking ahead. Yeah, yeah, good as gold. Um, And then I guess that's, that's pretty much, you know, where you're at with footy. But, I mean, even going forward, and, I mean, like for someone like yourself who's obviously, like, looking to kick on to super level, I mean, like, when, what is the plan for summer? I mean, have you been in touch with any of the super size to potentially – jump onto a pre-season when they get back together in January or? Nah, so, oh, well, I haven't heard anything anyway, but um, I, yeah, I think um, I'll be pushing shit uphill to get a get a um, super pre-season this year just because of game time. Um, like, Joe Apikator was one of the informed props this year. Like, that dude was just unreal. Like, his scrummaging's come such a long way and, you know, his ball skills, which he's always had, and just um, the, the the big hits he was putting in, like I was really going to be pushing to try and get game time over him, especially like he was fit as I thought I was fit. But um, yeah, for him to push me the way he did, he ran um, a four fifty five Bronco, which is unreal Holy. for a dude his size, you know. So he was he was fine at that seventy minute mark. So for me to try and ask for more game time, you know, I was. Yeah, it was asking a lot when that dude's still banging in the 70th minute. So big ups to Joe. He's one of my best mates. But um, yeah, so whether I'm, at the end of the day, I'm not worried. If I get um, something with Super, that's just a bonus. Like um, I love what I'm doing at the moment, um, living here in Hawke's Bay. And, um, yeah, fishing, diving, hunting. and Got my house here. Love working on my house and tinkering away. Got my pigs and my chickens and my sheep. Um, so living the dream as it is, but yeah. So if I get a call up, that's just that's just a bonus. So yeah, it's all good, bro. That's awesome. So either way it goes, you're in your element, which is hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. Perfect place to be in, bro. But um, what I'd like to do before, I mean, I, I've got an end segment, um, you know, which is sort of like a, a funny note to end on. But for you and what I like to do with you know guys that have played at that you know sort of serious level, um. I'd just like to pick your brain around, you know, your game day routine and, you know, whether or not you have any superstitions. Um, so, I mean, could, yeah, could you sort of run us through what a, a game day looks like for you when you're part of the Hawks Bay Lions Canterbury setup? Yeah, so it's changed a fair bit. Um, when I was in Wellington, I didn't really have much to do, so I kind of just chilled and, I don't know, watched YouTube and hunting videos and stuff. But um, now... It's quite different. I like to be active. I feel like if I just laze around, I get lethargic, and I'm I'm a real um, yeah. I, I I can't really sit around. I feel like I'm always it's a waste of time. So I don't know if I'm if I'm at home, I'll um, you know, tinker away, do some work on the house, or you know go do some jobs, try catch up and stuff, and just keep active, and then yeah. Obviously, um, four hours before a game, I'll go and do a gym primer and 
just get some blood thrown through the legs and get into my, my unit primer, have a good old feed at the pre-season, ah, sorry, at the pre-match, um, probably bigger than I probably should. Um, sometimes I'll have a sleep. I don't usually, but, you know, if I'm at a hotel and it's we've got two hours and I'm a bit bored, I might have one. But um, in terms of superstitions, I don't have a lot. But I don't know, just one thing that's kind of, come from stream i don't know whether it's like a religious thing or it's a polynesian thing but the boys never used to like getting haircuts the day before a game and i remember one time we did all get haircuts the day before a game and we lost so ever since then i was just like nah i'm not yeah I'll, I'll, I'll stay true to the boys and just keep my haircuts and my shaving um at least a couple of days before <laughs> Fair enough, bro. We all have our our own little chicks. Um, but yeah, just 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 around this off, brother, because I know that you know your tongue's probably getting a bit dry. Um, I, I've got a segment called Ten in the Bin, where I've just got ten questions for you, bro, and you just answer them as honestly as possible. Yes, yeah, sweet, bro. All right, number one, what's your go-to vessel at a pre-drinks? Always beer. Um, at the moment, probably Tui. Just you know. Beer of origin or a double brown. That's always a good one. Double brown. Fair enough. Uh, biggest coach's pet you've been around? Oh. <laughs> well, the first one that comes to mind at the moment is probably Joe Apakatoa with uh, Josh Sims. Those two are like father and son. <laughs> but there's been a few. There's been a few. But that one just comes to mind. <laughs> Again, shout out to the brother Joe. Um, <laughs> what's the must do on a day off these days? Oh, I'd love to get out for a dive. Um, that's also like a pregame ritual. Sometimes if the sea's good, I'll like go out and, <laughs> and boat boy for the boys or just jump in and float. I try not to dive because I get bugged, but I'll just go out and watch the boys go and yeah, just follow them around. But yeah, uh, if, if the sea's good on my day off, I'll go diving for sure. Hissing. All right. Uh, least favorite fitness block. Oh, hmm. Don't know. I just all I remember from being like a kid is I hated hinamulas. <laughs> I absolutely hated them. I was real fat as a kid, which didn't help. But I just remember the hinamulas suck. Bro, that was a. Do you remember old Simon Stack from Stream? Bro, that was his yeah. special. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, absolutely yeah. hated him. Like right at the end of the training, yeah. When, when you're young and gutless and you just want to go home and then you've got to do any mullers for dropping the ball or something stupid. Right, nothing worse. Uh, Favourite cheat meal? Oh, cheat meal. Uh, I don't know if it's a cheat meal because I have it all the time, but it's pretty bad. I love like steak with mushroom sauce, eggs, mm. and like those mini hash brown things you put in the oven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. bro. That's Tucker. <laughs> uh, most regretful baller purchase. So, like, what have you gone out, splashed a whole lot of money on, and then gone like, if I did not need to get that? Um, well, one that comes to mind is when I was like a kid and I used to get pocket money, like, hardly ever. So, I'd save up for. It probably wouldn't have been a year. And I went and bought one of those, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! deck, like, arm things. Like, they <laughs> like, click out on your arm so you could play Yu-Gi-Oh! I didn't even know how to play it. But I spent, like, $70 and 
all my pocket money on this thing. And I just remember my dad saying, you're going to grow up and regret buying that. And I was just like, why would I ever regret buying this? It's so cool. And I never, ever used it. <laughs> oh, oh, I remember the exact thing you're talking about. And I'm pretty sure I got one. But I think I was fortunate enough to get it for Christmas. So. Oh, you like, like, you like, like click it up and like, like press the button yeah, and it loads yeah. across. Yeah. Uh, it looked a lot cooler in the TV ads, put it that way, eh? <laughs> yeah, it was way better in the ads. <laughs> All right. Uh, best or what's your go-to dance move? Oh, dance move. The Goon? Nah. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Uh, break out like that Ziz dance when you're wasted. <laughs> Yeah, the old aesthetic studs, I suppose. <laughs> or big, big fish, little fish, cardboard box is always a good one. <laughs> oh, one of the greats. All right, um, biggest grub you've played with and against? Oh, with and against. Hmm, John Borland would be my, the biggest grub I've played with. Um, down in Christchurch, absolute legend. Um, he's he's in Manawa too. Having a crack now, they'll be absolutely stupid not to pick him up. He's a he's a wicked player. Um, biggest scrub I've played against would be Tim Perry, All Black prop. Used to play against him and uh, Christchurch. He played for Christchurch Club down at the Canterbury uh, club scene. Yeah, um, he was a big dog um, Crusader prop, and I was just a young little. Nugget trying to make his way in, and he just fucking tried bully me. But yeah, I used to be scared of hell, but I'd never try to back down to him. Just always fucking getting punches in the bottom of rocks and stuff. But no, nah, he's a legend, Tim Berry, absolute legend. Right, so anywhere to go. All right, man. Uh, last question. You just got to finish the sentence for me. Saturdays are for hunting, fishing, and diving. <laughs> Great, great safe option. Very, very calculated. And I have to say, I'm all here for it. Oh, man. Honestly, Joel, this has been wicked. I I really appreciate you opening up about your rugby journey and some of the the tribulations and the highs that you've had. And uh, fingers crossed, um, in the not-too-distant future, we see you make that jump or, you know, like you even playing your best footy. So... Um, for now, my man, um, until we meet again, which, you know, who knows what can happen, you know, after what we've seen in 2020, all the best for your summer, bro. And again, yeah, big ups to you for taking some time out to join me on COVID. Nah, cool, mate. I appreciate that. It's been, that's nah, been awesome. Nah, thanks, bro. All right, brother. Peace. <laughs>